You're about to get lucky with the Bare Naked Money Podcast, the show that gives you the naked truth about personal finance with your hosts, Josh Shellick, Portfolio Manager with WLWP Wealth Planners IA Private Wealth, and Colin White, Portfolio Manager with Varican Capital Management, Inc. Welcome to the next edition of Bare Naked Money. I'm here getting naked with Josh, as we do on a semi-regular basis now. And we thought, given the current state of tumult in the markets, that it was worthwhile reflecting on how you feel. And we will both, uh, right off the start, say we're not experts in this, but uh, we've watched a lot of people have feelings, right, Josh? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to talk about some numbers and then talk about how those might be received a little bit differently, depending on who you are and where you are. Do you want to, you want to start the conversation, Josh? Well, you stole this idea from me just so our audience knows, because <laughs> I kind of floated this idea a few weeks ago on a podcast and you actually didn't pick up on it at all. And then you came back a few weeks later and said, Hey, people seem to react differently when they were talking about real estate being down versus stocks being down. Why do you think that is? And I said, okay, uh, yeah, we should do a podcast on this like, like you had suggested. So just for the record, you stole this idea from me. All right, let's let's reframe it. This this podcast will now be titled Josh is right, Colin is wrong for the first time ever. Like we'll, we'll I'll stipulate to that. Okay, first time ever. So point putting one finally in that that checkbox for me. Well, so, so, so we kind of started going down this path because a lot of things are down this year in value. And real estate is is one of those things. Stocks are also one of those things. But in our conversations, people tend to focus a lot more on one than the other, or they tend to worry a lot more about one than the other. And that, that's the stock portfolio. And the reactions and uh, sort of the the way to deal with it seems to be different in each case. What have you been seeing in terms of the real estate numbers? How much is the the market down so far this year? Well, let's put it all in context. We'll, we'll include the real estate numbers, but let's let's put it all in context. So from peak to trough, which is again how people tend to feel, like they anchor on the biggest number. And then how low did it go? So I'm buying into that way of thinking, even though it scientifically doesn't have as much usefulness as maybe doing it different ways. But I did this a few days ago. I think it says of the 17th of October. So the TSX was down 16%. The S&P 500, the US index was down 22.41. XBB, which is a short-term or shorter-term bond fund or more traditional bond fund, I guess, Canadian bond fund is down 16%. XLB, which is a long-term bond, which is down 27% peak to trough. Gold was down 20%. And uh, ETF made up entirely of the Canadian banks equally weighted was down 21.95%. So yeah, it's been bad pretty much right across the board. But to Josh's point, uh, the, the real estate is, the average price of a house sold in Canada is down the, what was the number I gave? Uh, I didn't give the number. The number is actually down more than 21% uh, this year. So the average price in February that a house was selling for in Canada was $816,720, and it dropped to 640479 
So that's a 21% drop. So real estate is right in the ballpark with everything else. But people tend to look at that differently. And Josh and I both went back and forth on this trying to figure out because there's other numbers around the real estate number that would be interesting to know that aren't available necessarily in a timely fashion. Uh, but it leads to conversation about price discovery. Now, the stock market trades thousands of times a second every day. One share of the Royal Bank is worth the same anywhere in Canada. And real estate is harder to measure than that. So if the average selling price is down, that means there's all kinds of things that have happened within the real estate market. There are areas that would have no, no bid, meaning that you just can't sell a property right now because of the things, the way things have changed and other areas that are less effective. So it's not quite homogeneous, but on average, yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same as, as everywhere else and people, because not everybody's knocking on their door every day, telling them exactly what their house is worth. Don't necessarily have as much information, but even when confronted with the fact that their property is worth less than it was a year ago, even if that number is 20% less tend to kind of shrug and say, that's not a big deal. And that's, that's a little confusing because then housing crosses the line between being something we live in and something we consider an investment. And if it's just something you live in, yeah, you can kind of shrug and say, that's not a big deal. But if you've been into it saying, Hey, I'm going to buy four or five houses and this is my thing, thinking that somehow this is going to get through a, a tough time in the stock market that hasn't really borne out this time around, uh, you are in as much pain. And depending on how levered you are, how much money you owe, you might be even in more pain than you would be with a different kind of investment. Um, but people always have impressions that there are certain kinds of things that are always good. Josh, what's your favorite? What's, what's your favorite thing that people say to you? It's like, this is always a good thing to have money in. Well, real estate is the one that I think comes to mind first and foremost. Uh, but you, you mentioned earlier on the Canadian banks as well. People seem to think that these are, are can't miss investments. So those those are probably the two that I hear the most about. Uh, but coming back to the real estate thing. So I, I went through the thought process of okay, why do people think this way about real estate differently than, than stocks? Just for the sake of comparison here and the, the ease of our conversation, let's look at stocks versus real estate and why people think differently about these things. I came up with three things. So you stole my thunder a little bit there, Colin, but let me let me kind of go through these and and you can kind of play devil's advocate or give me another check for being right for once in my life. <laughs> so well, that's gonna stick. Okay. It, and when we talk about the reactions to stocks, a lot of people, a lot of investors want to sell their stocks when they're down in value. And this is, there's a whole bunch of reasons why people feel that that's the right thing to do, but generally you're, you're running away from the pain or you're sort of running away from the fear of the, the value of your investments, the value of your, your wealth dropping. So my first point here, why I think people react this way to stocks and not to real estate is it's just so much easier to sell and buy, to buy and sell stocks than it is real estate with your real estate. You don't have an electronic market that you can log into at any given point in the day from 9.30 to 4. You don't have the significant transaction costs that you do, the legal ramifications uh, that you do with, with real estate. So it just it's so much easier to buy and sell stocks. If we made buying and sell selling real estate that easy, 
maybe people are a little bit more inclined to buy and sell their houses just the way that they do with their stock portfolio. Well, yeah, no, that, that's that's for sure true. I mean, the ease of access is one thing. Uh, not, I'm afraid to say anything else because I don't know your list. I'm afraid I'm going to stumble onto something else and steal more of your thunder. So I'm going to wait until you say all three things out loud so you get full and honest credit for all three things. Well, the, the next two are things that you already touched on. So the the second one that I have here is it's your home. People don't always, not always, but a lot of the times when people are thinking about real estate and the clients that we work with, it's their home that they're talking about. So they just feel differently about it. It's not purely a financial decision, whether they're buying or selling. They're not just going to pick up their home because the, the value of their house is down 10% because that disrupts so many other things in their life if they were to do so. So I, I think that maybe even more so than that, that first ease of piece of transaction is more important uh, and something that's that's very relevant and why people don't react with sort of a knee-jerk reaction every time values are up or down 10%. Yeah, well, that's true. And your third one, I'm not going to say anything more because I'm not going to step on your toes ever again. I feel bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> I'm sure you will. So the third one is, I, I think, the most relevant and something that you touched on. Your house is not priced every second of every day. You don't, you, yes, someone might come by once in a while and say, hey, your house is up 10% from last year. Your house is down 10% from last year. But you're you're not slapped in the face with it all the time, every second of every day with here's the value of your home now. Here's the value of your home now. Here's the value of your home now. Oh, by the way, your house was worth this much five months ago, this much five minutes ago, this much five weeks ago, this much a year ago. If you had have done something differently, February the 22nd of 2022, you would have saved yourself this much money. So that sort of slap in the face is not there with, with your house. Like I, I just started thinking of, okay, what, what if you came home to your house every day and there's a ticker tape above your garage or above your front door that tells you how much your house is worth. And not only that, you're driving down the street, every other house along your street has the same ticker tape that tells you how much that house is worth on a daily basis, every second of every day. And it shows you that, but it's also super easy for you to see how much each of those houses was worth a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. You, and people, people, people and would react differently. People would act differently if they if they had this in their face all the time. And then next thing they know, oh, their neighbor's house is up twenty thousand dollars, and their house is down twenty thousand dollars. Well, what the hell is that guy doing that I'm doing differently? He bought a new big screen TV. Maybe I should buy a new big screen TV. Maybe my house will go up forty grand if I do that. So <laughs> it's a silly analogy, but this is the way that people react when it comes to stocks. They see one stock doing one thing, they want to sell theirs and buy that because that one's doing better, and they think that's a good idea. Well, the other thing in the stock market, there's always a willing buyer within a couple cents of the last transaction as a rule. Yeah, so you you have a ready made market, but there is there is a a, a bigger thing at play here that that helps people compartmentalize things and a house is a tangible thing like yep. you can walk around in it you can touch it you can feel it you can smell it you can have feelings or memories that are formed in that house money is intangible and we live in an intangible world and those are two different buckets altogether. i'll give an example because i've had conversations with clients this week where they said Holy cow, my account's down $100,000. If, if I lose another $100,000 in the next year, then that's going to be bad. I'm thinking, well, you think it's going to go and all, yeah, that's the trend. 
Well, but that's not how markets work. I mean, they, they go down until they go up. I mean, there, there's, there's always oscillations and things, but people are willing because it's something that's nebulous. It's something that's intangible, something that's not easily understood. They apply whatever logic they have available to them. It's like, well, this is my loss this year. Two more years like this, I have no more money. Well, wait, no, it's not. Unless, unless every company you know goes bankrupt the same day, not all of your money goes away. Now, if every company you know goes bankrupt the same day, we probably have bigger trouble than your portfolio is not worth anything because we've gone back to caves and we're hitting each other with sticks again. So people try applying logic to something in a way that just doesn't fit. And these are real conversations. I'm not belittling the conversations because this is how people's emotions react to things. But you know, when we're having a conversation, that's where it starts. And I, I, I guess just to go back to the start, the point of this whole podcast is, you know what? Real estate's down in one measurement, just about as bad as everything else right now. And that doesn't make real estate a bad investment. It doesn't mean people shouldn't have real estate, but just don't put it on some kind of pedestal that you think it's completely uh, not affected by these things. Um, and, the other, and the other thing, I guess, in the financial world, and Josh reads this all the time, is there's so much more commentary and so many people holding themselves out as gurus as to talking with certainty of what's going to happen in the stock market. And some of it's doom and gloom, and some of it's really optimistic, and some of it's very, but there's a whole bunch more being written about things that are traded in the stock market then real estate's real estate. Like there's there's not a whole lot, there's not as much diversity uh, to discuss in real estate as there would be in, in stock market commentary, for sure. So there's always a new story coming along. Yeah, the, the tangibility thing, I think is really interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because stocks do kind of seem to be like a figment of somebody's imagination to some people, right? And it's harder to understand when you own a stock, like, oh, I own shares in a business. Yes. Okay. And that business makes profits. Yes, it does. And and that business owns real estate itself. Oh, yes, that, that business does. And they have brand value and they have inventory and all these things. Like That's what you own when you own a stock. You don't just own a piece of paper, even though sometimes it feels like that. So if your house goes down in value 20%, you still have the same house. You still have the same four walls and a roof and the same backyard and front yard, the same driveway and garage. When a stock goes down in value 20%, you still have the same business. You still have 100 shares of Royal Bank or 500 shares of Apple or whatever it is that you own. That business, Apple's still going to sell iPhones. They're still going to generate profits. They're still going to have their headquarters in California or whatever it is so that has value. All this stuff has value. So the fact that somebody's willing to pay you 20% less today than they were a month ago for either of these things, you still fundamentally have the same amount of those things. Just people are are looking at it and valuing valuing it differently, and I, that's it's a lot. To your point, it's a lot easier for people to understand. I have the same house than it is for them to understand. I have the same number of shares of Apple. Yep. Well, no, and then you, if, for listeners, if you just think about the idea that you buy a five hundred thousand dollar house and the, the day the transaction closes, you get to walk into it and go, "I just bought this." You drop into my office and give me a check for five hundred thousand dollars. I'll give you a smile and a handshake, but it maybe doesn't have the same emotional effect that walking into that oh, house. That's, that's pretty great, Colin. <laughs> Smile and a handshake <laughs> from you. <laughs> what about well, that? Well, depending on the circumstances. Or, but no, it, it, but that's, that's the fundamental reason. And I think it's important for everybody to explore where their confidence comes from because you know, you're more confident in some things than others. 
And it, it behooves you or it's to your benefit to kind of say, well, why, why am I more, should I be, is that a, is that a valid thing? And there's a Mark Twain quote from uh, the big shirt, which I just rewatched on a, on a plane. That's, that's a great movie, by the way. And one of the quotes that they include in that movie is it's not what you don't know is going to hurt you. It's what you think, you know, for sure that just ain't so. And this is an example of that. So if you thought that you were protected by having a bunch of real estate to offset your market investments, well, it, that hasn't worked out this time around. And this is an odd time. And Josh, you've made some good points and, and had some good conversation around how odd this time period is with regards to the correlation of assets. And this is where I start making fun of people who use correlations all the time, because when the shit hits the fan, correlations go to one. And I think we're witnessing a little bit of that now that we're seeing sell-offs across most major asset classes, if not all. And uh, these events occur once, once in a while, and you, you shouldn't assume that you can perfectly plan around them and not have these affect your world. Yeah, for sure. So um, I think the purpose of this conversation is just to continue to encourage the right behavior. We don't want you to think that real estate's a bad investment, as Colin said before. We don't want you to think that stocks are a great investment. It's just that they all have their time and their place and reacting emotionally to any one of these uh, when it comes to investing, when it comes to your money is is probably not going to be the right move. You don't want to panic and sell when things are down. You don't want to get too high when things are going great, like they were with real estate six months ago and load up and buy a whole bunch of real estate and take variable mortgages for every piece of that property, like so many Canadians did over the last couple of years. And oh, oh shoot, all of a sudden interest rates are 4% higher than they were six months ago. So just taking pause, reacting in a level-headed way to all this stuff, good or bad, knowing that it's never going to be always good or never going to be always bad with all of these different types of investments. That's super important to remember. Well, humble is a good thing. And uh, if you want to take a lesson that has kind of been taught to everybody over this last nine months, say, uh, going forward is don't be confident now. Like, don't say like, well, real estate is going to perform the best from here, or well, the stock market is going to perform the best from here, or gold, now is a great entry point for gold. Or again, don't be confident from here either. It's all about establishing a good balance and quality investments and then being patient and not having knee-jerk reactions to things. Because again, we're getting lots of questions right now. Well, should I change my risk profile? It's like, well, if your risk profile was set up properly going into this, then the answer is no. The environment doesn't change your risk profile. Your circumstance changes your risk profile. And if you're, but honestly, part of your circumstance is your ability to sleep at night. So for people who are not sleeping at night, then yeah, I mean, that's now causing you physical pain. And if we can't avoid that, then maybe changes do need to happen. But the same way being super confident that there were things you could have been in. Again, honestly, this is one of the better, the better situations for people like Josh and I to be in because the worst situation, and this kind of happened early on, if you were heavily invested in the Canadian or the Canadian energy sector, you, you look pretty smart for part of this year. So there was a sector that you could, with the backward facing mirror, you could take a look and say, yeah, that I, sh I could have been there. I should have been there. Well, I mean, the airs kind of come out of that balloon. I mean, everything is down to a point and really was no place to hide. 
even cash, if you factor in the, the cost of inflation, if you had gone to cash, you were you still lost a lot of pur purchasing power over the last year. So this is one of those times when everything was is looking bad. So it's a unique opportunity to reflect and say, you know what? I shouldn't be confident that it, there's one course of action at any point in time that's going to protect me because from time to time, everything's going to get hit. And that just is part of being on the planet and, and part of existing and learning that at this moment so that you don't, I was like, oh, that was terrible, but I'm really sure just shut up. Like, don't, don't, don't follow up all this good learning with now. I'm really sure that no, you're not like, let's categorically, no, you're not. There's way too much nuance here. And as I said, the Canadian market is, is something that you know, from a real estate perspective is there's areas right now that when I say no bid, I mean, it doesn't matter what your price is. People aren't buying in certain locations and, and certain price points. So it, it freezes up and that does happen in capital markets from time to time. And it's quite catastrophic. Uh, so when we say the average house price is down 21%, that means half the houses are down more than that. So, you know, be careful uh, about being confident going forward. And as always, we're going to preach. Be, I'll keep your long-term money long-term, keep your short-term money short-term, be patient, and don't change your long-term plan every couple of weeks. Or every couple of months, for that matter. <laughs> well, I was I was trying to pick the time horizon I should use for that statement, and I, I settled, yeah, I think you're probably closer. Not, not long-term plans, maybe once a year could be reviewed. How's that? Is that safe? We've noticed something. It seems there are a lot of people who would rather try to figure out their lives with an online calculator than air your finances to a human. Stop doing that. You need to talk to someone who can help direct you, tell you where to start with what you've got to make the biggest impact on your future. You can't figure that out at doihaveenoughcash.com, but you can figure it out by chatting with us. Call us, it'll be okay, you'll see. Vericant Capital Management Inc. is a registered portfolio manager in all of Canada, except Manitoba. So sorry, Manitoba. Nothing in this podcast should be considered as a solicitation or a recommendation to buy or sell a particular security. Statements made by the portfolio managers are intended to illustrate their approach and are meant for information and entertainment purposes only. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the portfolio manager only and do not necessarily reflect those of I Private Wealth Inc. I Private Wealth Inc. is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. I Private Wealth is a trademark and business name under which I Private Wealth Inc. operates. This should not be construed as legal, tax, or campaign advice. This podcast has been prepared for information purposes only. The tax information provided in this podcast is general in nature and each client should consult with their own tax advisor, accountant, and lawyer before pursuing any strategy described herein, as each client's individual circumstances are unique. We've endeavored to ensure the accuracy of the information provided at the time that it was written. However, should the information in this podcast be incorrect or incomplete, or should the law or its interpretation change after the date of this document, the advice provided may be incorrect or inappropriate. There should be no expectation that the information will be updated, supplemented, or revised, whether as a result of new information, changing circumstances, future events, or otherwise. We are not responsible for errors contained in this podcast or to anyone who relies on the information contained in this podcast. Please consult your own legal and tax advisor.